0: Welcome to Capital Edge Church. We have a fantastic message for you that we hope challenges, inspires, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into it. I am so excited about Revival Week. It's going to be an incredible week. And listen, you know, there's there is, some of you may have heard there's some restrictions in certain places. Uh, you might have heard that through the news and so on. Uh, you might have heard that Sydney's in lockdown and things like that. And so that's going to affect us a little bit because we do have a speaker coming from Penrith and we do have another speaker coming from Melbourne. And so we're, we're in the processes at the moment of just... Uh, saying, well, God, you can do all sorts of incredible things and we're not shutting the door just yet because we know that you can do uh, the impossible. And so, Lord, we're just uh, waiting and seeing what you will do. We're having faith and we're believing. Uh, We've said believe for it. Well, the least we can do is believe for it. And, uh, and so we're going to keep believing and trusting God and uh, it's going to be an incredible week, an amazing week. The whole purpose of Revival Week is to revive his church so that we'll have a, a, a fresh, refreshing in God, a fresh touch from God. I don't know about you, but I could do with a fresh touch from God. You know, yesterday's manner is not enough. What I had yesterday is not enough for today. I need something fresh today. And I pray that'll be your heart and that'll be your expectation as we head into Revival Week next Sunday. Well, we're going to finish off our topic for this month. We've been talking about radical Jesus. Radical Jesus. And we've uh, been talking about this fact that radical actually means to get back to the root of. To get back to the very foundations. It means to skim away all the stuff that we tend to build, our opinions and ideologies and philosophies. And to skim those things away and get back to the very foundation of what truth is all about. And so we've been looking at Jesus and we've been saying that uh, of everyone who has ever lived on the planet, Jesus is the most radical person of all because he always drew us back to the foundation, the root of what truth is all about. And so we've had a look at the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. We had a look at that passage which showed us the benefits of living a God-focused life rather than a self-absorbed life. We had a look at three incredible statements that Jesus made that I'm sure were a challenge to all of us. The first was love your enemies. And we looked at that and how that, it showed us the need to forgive and not harbour offence. We looked at another statement, he said, lose your life, lose your life and in losing your life, it was the key to discovering actually our purpose in life and then we had a look at another statement that Jesus made, the last shall be first, last being first and that showed us that true greatness is the fruit of humility. Humility. It's the fruit of humility. Today I'm going to share with you on this final message on this theme. I'm going to share with you what I would consider the greatest radical statement that Jesus ever made. If it's not the greatest, it's certainly in the top three or four. It is an incredible statement. We're going to have a look at that statement shortly. But before we do that, I, I want to look at a particular worldview. Because how many of you know the world doesn't always think like Jesus thinks? You know, sometimes those things are very contradictory. And so we're going to have a look at the worldview that opposes what Jesus said. And then we're going to get back to what Jesus said. So if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Acts chapter 17 or your applications. am going to read from verse 16 of Acts 17. It's where Paul goes and visits Athens. Says this, while Paul was waiting for them, that's uh, the other missionaries to join him in Athens. He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? (laughs) Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things. Keep in mind, these people believed in some strange things. And we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. So Paul was using this statue, this shrine to an unknown God, this idol, and he was using that to get across to them that, hey, if there's a God that you don't know, guess what, I know him and I'm going to tell you who he is. And so he was using that object there for his purpose here. You know, just like Paul encountered in Athens, we actually live in a world of idols and religions. If you don't believe that, all you would have to do is watch the opening ceremony of the Olympics to realise that there's all sorts of idols and beliefs and philosophies and systems out there. Just because there's no temples or shrines or statues of deities on every street corner that that, that is in Australia anyway, it doesn't mean that there are no idols. Our idols, our shrines have become a little bit more subtle over the years we tend to worship other things we tend to worship for example technology technological advancement I don't know whether you've kept up with all the recent space race stuff that's going on it's incredible what's going on. And now America has come in and said, well, if you're going to wear astronaut wings, you've got to earn them a different kind of way. And there's all sorts of stuff. But we, we, there's this race for space. There's this race and we worship wealth and privilege. We worship scientific knowledge. We, there's all sorts of cults and beliefs and anti-establishment philosophies out there. And, of course, there's Australia's biggest idol, which is called sport sport in fact you know over the years our idols have become a little bit more inward our idols have become ourselves we tend to deify ourselves we talk about the rich and the famous and the heroes of progress and the glamorous stars and the entertainers, and uh, why we even worship tweeters and, and bloggers and snap Facebook people and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, humanity, since, since the Tower of Babel, since the beginning of time, humanity has aspired to godlike qualities: the Caesars. They deify themselves as gods. The Dalai Lama apparently is a reincarnation of a god. Even Diago Maradona had the hand of God. The Beatles apparently were more popular than Jesus. Eric Clapton was referred to as God. Prince said this, he said, I am your Messiah. Jay-Z, even the great Jay-Z, who knows who Jay-Z is? Even the great Jay-Z says that the J stands for Jehovah. You see, we were created with this innate purpose. We were created with this desire to worship something. Someone someone says everybody's worshipping something. Everybody's worshipping something. And we have turned that to worship our selves and like Paul discovered at Mars Hill we've created this unknown God this unknown God so that we can cover all the bases well we're not sure we've got everyone covered with all the religions and all the beliefs so let's just have this unknown God to cover all the cracks so that no matter what we are covered we have our insurance policy intact We allow for personal values to determine personal belief. We emphasize tolerance for the acceptance of every value. We live in a pluralistic society that says it's okay to believe in all sorts of different things, even if those things seem to contradict each other. Let's believe in everything just in case. Just in case. Let's let's accept that all religions are pathways to the same God. Let's accept every philosophy and value is an expression of of just finding God. Let's get rid of absolutes so that everyone can become their own God, do their own thing. And into this messed up, hedonistic, self-deified world comes Jesus with the most radical get back to the root of the truth statement that has ever been made I am the way the truth and the life and no one can come to the father except through me I, I love that I thank God for that scripture John fourteen six. I thank God that that scripture is there. It is such a profound statement, such a radical statement. It speaks into this world today that is full of so many misconceptions and ideas and philosophies because it gives us absolutely no other option. Jesus is the only way now we can either accept that or we can reject that it's not Jesus plus this other way it's not Jesus plus this path it's not Jesus plus things of my doing it is only Jesus only Jesus so in the words of Jay-Z let's break it down just thought I'd throw that let's move on (laughs) <laughs> Jesus says firstly I am the way. I am the way. That that's very significant. I am the way because the way talks of direction. The way is direction. It's it's the journey. It's the journey. It's, it's not just the completion. It's not just the arrival. You see, when Jesus says, I am the way, he is saying that I am the direction for your life. I'm not just a, a once-off decision. I'm not just a short prayer that you can look back on and say, because of that, I'm a Christian. I can now live how I want to. It's all done. It's all complete. You see, if that's the case, that's worshipping an unknown God. But Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the one who can guide you the whole journey. I'm the one who can bring clarity to your life. I'm the shepherd of Psalm 23 who lets you rest in green meadows and leads you beside peaceful streams, who guides you along right paths, who stays close and brings comfort when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm the way. I'm the way. That means that his word, that he's so beautifully and wonderfully given us, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That means that he is the way. He is the Lord of Psalm 37, 23 and 24. This is what it says. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them up by his hand. Wow. He is the way. He's the way that we can trust. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Other versions say, he will make your paths straight. I love that. He is the way. There's so many confusing paths and detours out there. And many of them lead to nowhere. Sort of like going to Sydney. (laughs) I, (laughs) I remember the first time I went to Sydney. Not familiar with... Sydney at all. And I had to get my way out to, I think it was Coogee Beach for a conference. And so I went along, I took Tom Tom with me and Tom Tom was going to help me. I got to Sydney, Tom Tom supposedly knew the directions and we are driving around and I was making sure I got into the right lane, which was the left lane, third from the right on the left to the... East side of the other one. (laughs) And I was driving along with my Tom Tom. He was speaking to me. And then we went into a tunnel. Of course, Tom Tom led me to a tunnel. And it was at that point that Tom Tom said, (laughs) bye-bye. And... not having a clue where I'm going, I'm driving through this tunnel, I'm looking at all the signs on the side, trying to locate the one that says to the direction I'm going, and all the signs had supposedly the names of streets that I was supposed to know that that street belonged to a certain suburb. Eventually, I came across a sign. I'd given up on Tom Tom by now, he'd waved bye-bye, and I was calling him useless, useless. (laughs) Got to a left exit... And then my tom tom, when I got to the top, woke up. I said, Thanks for joining me now that I've done all the hard work. Finally got to my destination. It was harrowing. There's so many roads and highways and detours and turns and signs and cars and there's just so much out there. But you know what? There was a time when I went to Sydney from Adelaide as part of a ministry team and we got picked up at the airport. In a Mercedes, plush white leather, sitting on the back seat. They have water for us, Krispy Kremes in the middle. And I didn't worry about a thing because the driver knew where he was going. So I was just, oh, look, there's the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Oh, look, there's the Opera. Oh, wow. And I got to my place safely and I didn't have to worry about a thing. You see, he is the way. He is the direction. He doesn't just give us a map of the journey. If that's not enough, he doesn't just give us his word, but he actually walks it with us. If his his word is just so wonderful, he gives us a map, he gives us this direction of the journey, but if that wasn't enough, he says, hey, come on, I'm going to get in the car with you. Here's a Krispy Kreme. (laughs) <laughs> he walks with us jesus the way the direction i love that friends if you want direction in life then you need jesus he is the way second thing jesus says is this i am the truth i am the The truth, if the way is about direction, the truth is about definition. It's about definition. Notice Jesus didn't say this. He didn't say, I am a truth. He said, I am the truth. That's a definitive. There's no other option. The word truth here in the original meaning is this, the source and the originator of truth. So in a world where truth is a matter of personal experience and opinion, Jesus tells us that there is absolute truth and that he being God's own son is the originator of truth. Wow, that's radical. When you read that, it only leaves us with a couple of options really. When you think about what Jesus said just there, it only gives us a couple of options. Either Jesus is the truth and therefore he is God's son or Jesus is a liar and he's deluded. But Jesus doesn't give us an option like a lot of people believe that he was just another one of the great wise teachers. In this statement, he doesn't give us that option. Listen to what the great C.S. Lewis said. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus, that I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we cannot say. A man who was merely a man... And said the sorts of things Jesus said, would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. You see, if Jesus is the truth, that's a radical statement. If Jesus is the truth, then he is God. And if he is God, then we'd be foolish to go looking anywhere else for our means of salvation. If Jesus is the truth, then, and to get a little cliche with you this morning with Revival Week coming up, if Jesus is the truth, then... He said it, I believe it, and that settles it. It is done. It is done. If Jesus is the truth, then... I can build my life upon the firm foundation of his word. If Jesus is the truth, I can approach life with an assurance that no matter what comes my way, he is in control. He is the answer. And if there's things that I don't particularly understand, that's because of my limitations, not his. Yeah. Yeah. He is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, direction. I am The truth, definition. Then he said, I am the life. I am the life. The life is identification. You see, our existence, our very being, our identity, our purpose is meant to be wrapped up in Jesus. He's the life giver. We're made in image of God meant to be reflecting Jesus identifying with him Acts 17 28 says this it says in him we live and move and have our being I mean no wonder Jesus could say in John 10 I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly Have life to the full. Live life to the max. So if Jesus is life, then I have more of life when I have more of him. If Jesus is the life, then the longings that we carry such as joy and happiness, fulfilment and fruitfulness, friendship and love, peace and contentment, they can all be found in Jesus. If Jesus is life, then the measure of what life is truly meant to be can't be discovered without him. In fact, why would I want to journey this life without Jesus. You know, people exploring all sorts of different ways, all sorts of different paths to life and its meaning. The whole self-fulfillment approach, the eat, pray, love approach. I just want to say forget it. Forget it. Just find Jesus. (laughs) Just find Jesus. He is life. I am the way. That's direction. I'm the truth. That's definition. I'm the life. That's identification. And I just want to share one final thought with you today. Jesus goes on and says... No one comes to the Father but by me. I I just want to finish by talking about the Father. The Father. You see, the Father is our destination. He is our destination. Notice Jesus didn't say... No one gets to heaven but by me. Although that's true. We know that's true from John 3.16. But he says, no, he says, no one comes to the Father but by me. You see, the focus isn't pearly gates. Focus isn't streets of gold. The focus isn't even our heavenly reward. Although all those things are talked about and promised. The focus is the presence of God, whose radiant glory surpasses anything else. The focus is a restored, eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. I was visiting Perth a few years ago. Sometimes I wonder in this climate whether I'll ever get to visit Perth again. I was visiting Perth. You know, as I was flying over, I wasn't thinking. I can't wait to see the suburb of Girawine. I wasn't thinking I can't wait to drive that new extension highway that goes around the back from the airport and gets me there in half the time. I wasn't thinking I can't wait to go shopping at that new mall or mall. I wasn't thinking any of those sorts of things. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking it's going to be so great to see dad. It's going to be so great to see dad. I haven't seen dad for such a while Jesus the way the truth the life and the one who leads us back into relationship with dad if you want direction You want definition. You want identification. You want destination in life. Please let me tell you what you want. You want Jesus. Now, there's a radical thought. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're a wonderful God. You know, in this building today, I don't know everyone. There may be people who this morning, you felt a tug on your heart. You felt something stirring. Stirring. Perhaps that's the Holy Spirit just saying, come on, it's time to give your life to Jesus because he is the way, the truth and the life. And if that's you this morning, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around, could I ask you to do just one simple thing? If you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life, Could you just raise your hand? I'll acknowledge it. and Then you can put it down again. And we as a congregation will say a prayer together, inviting Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of your life. Is there anyone? Says, yeah, that's me. Please raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're a good God. You're a good God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just wait one moment longer. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, that we have access to Father God because of what you have done. When you went to that cross for us and you took our sin upon yourself so that we could be forgiven and set free and brought once again into right relationship with God we thank you something we don't take for granted Lord it's been it's, it's the message that we've heard many many times through our Christian journey our walk but we don't take that for granted Lord you're a wonderful God Lord I pray for anyone today who's here and might be in that valley of decision. Lord, I pray that over the next few weeks, that you will become so real, so real in their situation. We ask this in your precious, wonderful, holy name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic.